Coming up today on Guts, Grit, and Great Business. Service-based companies think, okay, I need a COO. It's like, yes, maybe you do, but not until like three to five million. You really don't need one before that. So how do you be able to get in place an operations manager that's going to be like a mini COO that's going to be able to grow with your company. And oftentimes you don't even need to hire an operations manager. A lot of times it's an account manager, a project manager. We've seen many companies within our tribe successfully hire and develop up an executive assistant. We've even done it in our own company and it's exceptional. So here's the thing is no matter who you hire, you're going to have to train and develop them. So you might as well get someone who's really hungry and that's going to see the opportunity for the growth and their ability to jump five, 10 years ahead of their career. And they will be just fiercely um, committed to your brand. And then that's how you have people that are just, that are willing to do anything to be able to support the business. The adventure of entrepreneurship and building a life and business you love, preferably at the same time, is not for the faint of heart. That's why Heather Pierce Campbell is bringing you a dose of guts, grit, and great business stories that will inspire and motivate you to create what you want in your business and life. Welcome to the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast, where endurance is required. Now here's your host, the legal website warrior, Heather Pierce Campbell. Alrighty, welcome. I am Heather Pierce Campbell, the legal website warrior. I'm an attorney and legal coach based here in Seattle, Washington, serving entrepreneurs throughout the U.S. and the world. I'm super excited to have Mandy Ellison with us today. Welcome, Mandy. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're going to have a great conversation. I've heard, first of all, like Mandy and I are in a mastermind group together and we've been trying to connect for some time but I've heard just fabulous things Mandy about your work from other people that we have um, in common in our network so I'm super excited about this conversation for those of you that don't know Mandy Mandy is the creator of the scale to freedom scalable service growth model she leads consulting agency owners to have lives with greater freedom and success Mandy has consulted with over 100 consulting agency CEOs. She's helped them immediately free up 20 to 50% of their work week to focus on accelerating profits. Her clients have grown five figures of net profit every month, added millions of dollars in sales, and have exited the day-to-day to scale growth. Some owners now passively manage their business or have sold it. Mandy is a published author and host of the Hands Off CEO podcast. As a committed freedom fighter, a percentage of business profits go to rescuing enslaved victims of child sex trafficking. Mandy is a mother of two, enjoys travel, mountain biking, and exploring the outdoors with her husband. And we were just talking about the outdoors because Mandy has relocated to Utah. And we were talking a little bit about the area she's in. And it's a gorgeous outdoor, I mean, area that you can really enjoy the outdoors in. So Mandy, good to see you today. Yes. Good to see you too, Heather. I'm glad we finally got this on the calendar. I know. It took a little while between two busy working moms and it's usually my (laughs) children's schedules that end up causing problems, Mm -hmm. but I'm glad to make this happen. So Mandy, I always love hearing about the start of someone's journey into business. Can you share with us a little bit about your early days in business? Sure. Um, 
I started my entrepreneurial journey a little bit different than I think a lot of other business owners. So my first business, if you don't count my lawn mowing business when I was 12, was a graphic and web design, you know, which became a branding company. And um, I had taken a little bit of design classes in college. I was actually going to be a geologist, which has nothing to do with graphic design. It also has nothing to do with business consulting. Yeah, this is how we 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 got here, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I had a year old baby at the time, and I just I had planned on being a stay at home mom, and I just like I just couldn't do it. It just was not for me. So I'm like, I need to have something for myself and my my um my good friend and and college roommate. Actually, we we're still friends to this day. She had um, a consulting company and like this accelerator. And she's like, come on, come into this with me. You know, uh, you, you, you do this thing for me, come to my accelerator. I'm like, okay, I guess. So she just like kind of pushed me into this mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit, um, very willingly. So that was just my start. And, and I really had fun with that. And then I got to a point where I grew the company and it was really successful. Um, I mean, as more as successful as that had become um, up to that point. And I was also about eight, nine months pregnant where all these demands were just like stacking up. And I had team that was just kind of falling off the face of the earth who I was counting on to help me be able to get everything wrapped up before I was leaving for maternity leave. And basically the whole thing just was kind of collapsing everything that I had worked so hard for. And I had, you know, a four-year-old and I had, I was, you know, this baby right ready to come. Uh, We had just moved across the country for my husband's very demanding medical training. And here I was, I could really have used the income, but I had to just shut everything down. And we just made do. And I, I got totally burnt out physically, mentally. It brought on chronic pain issues, all of these things that sometimes we we can find as we run ourselves into the ground as business owners. And I had I had hit that point and it was really challenging for me because I had I had been a business manager before and that was part of what had like had I, I loved business and I loved being able to find ways to streamline profits and to be able to make things efficient because mm-hmm. I had done that as a business manager and then and I had brought some some of the marketing and sales aspects to it too and so I'm like oh I'm just going to go start a business doing this and it was just different it was different when it was my own company so I had this vision of being able to be building these business assets that could actually run without me that I could pour into, but is going to give me that income freedom for me to be able to do whatever I want with my family. And I didn't have it. I could see the vision, but it was just like so far from reality. So what happened at this point is I said, you know what, I'm going to go and figure out how this is done. Other people have successfully done this. It's possible. So what I went through, and I I really couldn't find this in a book. I looked for it and I just, so I figured that if I could solve, if I could help other people, if I could do some interviews around other people, what the challenges they have, I could help them solve it. And then I would be able to solve it for myself. That was my reasoning going into this. So I started doing that. And then um, I was able to help people as I, as I did this, I just started to do this for free because I just wanted to understand this. And then before I knew it, people were paying me to do it. And I'm like, I have this other 
I have this other company here. So at this point, I took my web design and branding company. I sold it to a person on my team. And she's still running that today. It's how many years later is that? It's like 10 years later now. She's still running that. And it was such a blessing for her to get her started because she wasn't as much of an entrepreneurial startup person, but having that to go has really been a blessing for her life. So um, that's what started what is now hands-off CEO. And that's that's how I got started with in the in the business world. Maybe, maybe more than you wanted to hear. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, I'm curious about a couple things, right? Geology to business feels like a leap. What what was it about yes. geology that interested you? Oh. I, I love geology and where, as we were, we were talking about before we got started, I, I live in St. George, Utah, which mm. is just right now next door to Zion National Park, about an hour north of the Grand Canyon. So the geology around here is absolutely spectacular. There's red rocks everywhere. Mm. It just like fills my soul. Like I love rocks. I love mountain mm. biking. I love climbing around on rocks. And it's just, there's something about it that's really fun. And I started going down that path and, and um, learning about how the earth systems work and how, like, I love understanding that the, the, the core mechanisms around what really works mm-hmm. and that thinking, that scientific thinking is really driven the way that I see business and the way that I break it down into components and understanding what are the root causes. And then how do we be able to understand the, the, the mechanisms that drive change? Mm-hmm. So that you can standardize that down into a repeatable process that other that then we could take this and and install this in hundreds and thousands of businesses, and then that that can expand beyond me. That's impact that goes way beyond the number of hours that that I can I can work. And I'm also an artist, so I love art. And I was um, I have a ceramic studio in my house too. Actually, I love so. Oh, I um, love that. So. Um, this, the art side of it is the creativity and the really understanding, like I like uh, seeing a really big vision for what's possible. Just kind of mm-hmm. like, I'm like, I saw a huge vision for what was possible that was so different from what it looked like when I was starting my company. I knew that this, that I could have, co- that I could have multi-million dollar companies that could run without me, that I could be orchestrating, that could make a huge difference in the world. I knew this was possible. I didn't know how, mm-hmm. but that, that's like the artist mind of, of like, being able to see things that aren't yet there and um, creatively push the limits. Yeah. I'm also curious about what you learned when your friend said, Hey, come go through my accelerator program, right? What it, what it was about that program where you thought, Oh yeah, this is a fit. I can do this. Well, tell us a little bit about the, that early training. Yes. So she worked with a lot of tech startups in the tech startup world. and. I, and I, my, my first, what I actually started doing this for the company that I worked for, I designed um, a website, but it wasn't just designing a website. It was understanding their brand. It was understanding, um, you know, how do we be, how do we be able to market against the competition? Now, when I, I ran this property company and um, this was during 2008 when the, the real estate was really challenging. So this was a very challenging industry. And um, also in this industry, you ha- managers will just be there all the time. I didn't like that at all. That was not what I wanted. I wanted to be able to travel whenever I wanted. And um, I did this while I was also a student too. So I had a different vision for what what the, was, was going to make things work for me. So my 
my thought was that if I just like jacked up the profitability and always kept it full, then my boss would let me do whatever I wanted. And um, that's exactly what happened. So I just looked at, well, what would it, what will it take for us to, to lease everything um, before, way before the, they even come up. So what I would, what I would do is I, I thought, how could we be able to connect with our most ideal people? So not the people who are going to be turning over every year. We want the medical and dental students that are going to stay there, the dental specifically, they'd stay there four years. And with that, um, what that meant then is that I didn't have to do nearly as much work. And so what I would do is I'd advertise the apartments months before they would even come available. So I had them leased sight unseen from across the country. This was back before websites. They, they, there were not very many websites that were available. They were not like, this was very new to be able to do this at the time, mm-hmm. but I saw that I could do it. I was just possible. And I would talk people into it before they even saw these apartments. The website really helped how I was positioning it. And so I would, I would pre-lease all of these. I, I streamlined everything in it. And um, I feel like I'm going off on a tangent here. So stop me if, if I'm going, <laughs> but that's what taught me how to be able to, um, you know, keep, keep pushing the profitability, keep pushing the mm-hmm. revenue. So I, I, I drive up the rents and because I would, I would fill those sight unseen way before we even needed them done. It, um, it made the company, I did, I just was squeezing money out of this company left and right. But, um, it was in a way that really served, served the, our customer base too. So, mm-hmm. so this sounds like that, I mean, that experience was an early introduction into your business path and understanding some of the fundamentals of business. At what point did you intersect with, cause then you, you said you became a mom, right? You were going to be a stay at home mom. And then you, your friend invited you into this accelerator course and you were like, oh, wait, I'm not, I'm not doing the stay at home mom thing. Right. So it was, it was just, it was just fun. It was exciting. And it was a way that I could connect with other people. And I really, I knew I had a knack for it. I came from a a family of entrepreneurs. Like I said, I started mowing lawns when I was 12. I was always looking for ways to be able to make more money, not because I was like really stuck on the money as much as like, I just wanted to have freedom to do whatever I wanted. I wanted to buy what I wanted. I wanted to go. And I came from a big family where my parents weren't just handing out, handing us out money left and right. I mean, we didn't go hungry or anything. We, we had fun, but it was like, I had to work for what I wanted. So mm-hmm. from a very young age, I did that. And I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. even when I went, and I studied those, the different areas in college, I'm like, I didn't even, I, I didn't know how it was all going to connect together. I just knew someday I would have a business. I thought it would be later when my kids were older. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I went into that, that business accelerator and it just, it helped me get things started yeah. and get, get um, more than anything, just like develop the courage just to, just to make mm-hmm. it happen and to know that I I could do it. I love that. What a gift from your friend. So you then go on to build your first business, which you said kind of imploded, right? You burned yourself out, like everything, you were just done with all of it. Right. I imagine you are now serving people who are either in that position or who have been kind of where you were in that part of your journey, right? And that you're now helping them see 
you don't have to do it that way. Look over here, right? right? Here's how you can really do it. So talk to us about how, like the pieces that you put together, because it it set you on a new path of sorting out really, how do you do that, right? How how do you become the hands-off CEO? Talk to us about that part of your journey, what you learned and how you started implementing that in your own business and life. All right. There's like five different questions in there. I know that was a big one. It's okay. So let me think on how I want to go to to answer this one. So yes, a lot of the the clients that we work with have Mm. that kind of challenge in some aspect, right? Mm. They, um, they've become a victim of their own success. Yes. And they've gotten past that early stage in the business where you just put your head down and you just like make it happen. You, but you get to a point where like sales aren't really a challenge anymore. Um, but at the same time, you're kind of stuck in this place where you need to, you want to generate more business, but to generate more business, you need more team to be able to staff that business to be able to staff to, to hire those people. You need a little bit more business. So it's like this vicious cycle that like, how do you get out of that cycle? That was exactly the cycle that I was in when at, at that point in in um in my company, and we've I've seen that cycle over and over and over again, and it's just so easy to get trapped in it, and and not being able to remove yourself from the cycle, right? Right. Well, yeah, it's not being able to remove yourself from the cycle. That's exactly it. And then, um, it, and it, here's the thing: is you can kind of see what's going on. You see what you need to do, but you actually like can't do it. You even, you even hear, you could read books and hear the steps, but how do you break free from that cycle to be able to do that? And, um, some people, what they'll, what they'll do is they'll just work more and more and more hours thinking that's going to break the cycle. And then what happens is that they never, it, what happens is more growth, more growth continues, but it's at the cost of them becoming even more trapped in the company. So I'll give you a story. uh, I'll give you an example of Tom, Tom Shapiro. He's been on our podcast a couple of times. And um, he was at this point in his company where he was a victim of his own success, really, and um, had no problem bringing in in, in new business, Have really had an exceptional service. So a, a lot of people wanted their, their work. But mm-hmm. what happened, whenever he would step back from having his hands in the projects, and this is a, a marketing company, specifically a marketing agency, then um, the client's were just, they just would get mediocre results. And it wasn't like Mm. these devastating things, but he was just like, this isn't worth it. This is not why I started this. So they just, they stopped getting these raving testimonials. And he was like, this is not what I want. This is not what I want. So what he did is he ended up scaling back and he was hoping, you know, I'll get more time back. I'll get my life back. What ended up happening? And that, that wasn't the case. So he had scaled back his income and still was just as stressed as ever. Mm. So that was the point where um, we had connected and he had, he didn't really even know if there would be a, a if it would even be possible because he was so stuck in that cycle and didn't even see it would be, it'd be possible. And here's the thing is a lot of people look at as consulting services and they're saying, well, you know what? It's a dead end. It's not scalable. Mm. And it works fine if you're just doing to doing kind of a solo with, you know, a couple of people supporting you, but it's, it's a one-man band kind of business. So that that's kind of the, the frame of thinking that he was in and, you know, with his um, extreme commitment to the kind of client results that they generate. Well, right. You would start to think like, I'm the special sauce. And if I can't duplicate myself, 
right? Yeah. How do, how do I continue? How do I scale and continue to get amazing client results? So, and here's the thing is, is that we start the business with our expertise. We are the certain mm. secret sauce. That's yeah. the reality. It's like, we yeah. are the secret sauce. And for Tom, it was looking at how do we be able to take this secret sauce and how do we be able to package the secret sauce in a way that does not diminish the results, but actually expands the results? How do we package this in a way that then you can really transfer this over and then to other experts and in some in, in some cases have experts that are much better at the better at it than you. So what this looks like is you can really expand the quality of the business as you're continuing to scale it. Mm. And that's that's what Tom found. And even within um, so he he was stag, he has three years of stagnant growth because he had been in that cycle, stepped back from it. And um within seven months, he had doubled his business. Yeah, so that's amazing. Really incredible what's possible when you just take the right, take the right steps in the right order. Mm -hmm. But one of the challenges with that as well is it's, it's easy enough just to hire people and just remove yourself from it. But, but how do you actually financially do that? So you're not losing money. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest challenges that people come to us with. And they also are looking at some of these other solutions out there for their, because they know they need to be building systems. They know to be higher people. So there, so there's a lot of these other popular scaling models out there and they're looking at them and there's just, there's something quite a, a little bit off. And they, they, some of them have implemented these different systems and these operating systems into their business and they're great operating systems, but there's something that's missing here for high, um, for highly customized consulting mm. services. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I, I imagine, well, first of all, let me ask you, what did you help in those early days when you took Tom from, you know, stagnant for three years to doubling revenue in seven months? What were some of the earliest changes you helped him make in his business? Right. We'll talk about the earliest changes. I also want to mm -hmm. talk about what what is missing from mm -hmm. this from from the typical scaling models, yeah. specific to consulting services, because yeah. this is something that's that's very important. That why why all those other models don't quite fit. They'll help, and they're they're useful. Mm -hmm. but it's not going to get you all the way across the line. It's not going to actually fundamentally change the model in a way that it can scale. Mm -hmm. So, um, some of the, so, so some of the first changes we made with Tom and, and, and with some, with the other companies that we work with is, is we first look at, we identify where the bottlenecks are in their company. Mm -hmm. And these bottlenecks can be, uh, oftentimes they're people. And in this case, the CEO is always a bottleneck, right? Right. And, right. and there could be other bottlenecks in the company too. But when you look at, the amount of work that can get done in a company, mm -hmm. it's like, it's all bottlenecks right to this, uh, to, to this one person, this one source. So if everything goes through that point, then um, it dramatically diminishes that. So what we do is we look at um, how do we be able to remove a lot of those pieces at the bottleneck mm -hmm. that we can immediately free up some capacity. And mm -hmm. um, oftentimes what we see is just a few tweaks We'll be able to generate an extra 10, 20 hours per week that will, that will free up that, the CEO. And um, I mean, we see this over and over again. And we used to, with every client, we used to, to be tracking the number of hours. And we, we actually guarantee a minimum of 10 extra hours per week for the CEO. 
but I mean, it's gotten, um, maybe, maybe I've just gotten bored of, of tele- talking about this because it's like, it's consistently, I mean, we've stopped counting is just consistently mm-hmm. like right off the bat, how much time it freezes. It's really incredible what, yeah. what's possible yeah. in such a short amount of time when, mm-hmm. when you could just take a look at this and, um, find some things, some ways to free up. And oftentimes they're, they're in things that they're always, it always feels really good. It's a huge relief. I'm going to say anybody um, listening who's like, oh my gosh, 10 to 20 hours back in my week. Like they're probably freaking out. Like, is that possible? I don't think that's possible. (laughs) Right. Cause when you, when you are in that position of doing too many things, it can be really hard to know where to start to clear things off your plate. Well, and you're doing those things because you have to, yeah. right? So, so that's the, that's the thing is that we take a look and say, why do you have to do that? And what are the things that we need to put in place so you no longer have to do that? And you can safely let go of them. It's, it's mm-hmm. not about just like throwing off a bunch of things to other people. You have to safely be able to do this. The whole reason why they're stuck in this is because they care. Yeah. That's the reason. Here's the thing is yeah. if they don't care, you can throw things left and right. It's no problem at all. Right. Yes. So that's when we see these companies that are scaling. I mean, we all have seen these companies in the industry where they are scaling um, and at the, at the cost of quality. Yes. So you see the CEO having this, this, this great time, but I don't know, it's, it's always a great time because what ends up happening is then they're dealing with a lot of client churn. There are a lot, yes. there are uh, a lot of frustrations mm-hmm. and um, you know, our, our industry is just, it's just uh, completely taken over with lots of chargebacks, lots of, yes promises that are not made. Yeah. So, well, and ultimately I would think that comes back to make the team really frustrated, right? Oh yeah. Because, and then your team is going to fall apart. There's there, it's not sustainable. That path is not sustainable. It's really not. And that's a great point that you bring up too, because in this industry right now, we're not in this, I mean, just in the market, Mm -hmm. we have a huge challenge with staffing, Mm -hmm. right? So to be able to have and, and and let's just be honest too, that we we have um, we have really experienced people who have the opportunity to work anywhere they want, and then we have a lot of younger folks that have a little bit different way that they they work, and it can be pretty challenging as they're coming into this industry. And we're how do, how do we be able to to make to get them to work in a way that's going to be efficient and effective at the same time of labor costs just driving up. So you have less effective staff, you have the cost of staff going up, you have the mobility of staff uh, of just popping back and forth and not sticking around. Yes. And, and you have to be able to have a company that's very sticky Mm-hmm. And dealing with those kinds of frustrations with with um, their clients, although you're not going to be able to retain, just like you were saying. Yeah, no. And anytime, I mean, anybody who's ever had a staff member and lost them <laughs> to you know the training process of onboarding a new person and getting somebody up to speed and performing at the level that you maybe had a prior person, it's it's a real cost to your business. Oh, it, it really is, and it's. Yeah it's a, it's a draining emotional cost as well. Yeah. And that's a lot of the things that we hear too, is, is that, you know, it, they might say, you know, it takes us a good year, two years for someone to get to a point where they can really operate yeah. well without us. Yes. And by that time they quit mm-hmm. and then they have to start that all over again. So they're dealing constantly with people that are not 
performing um, fast enough. So, so it's looking at like, how do we be able to train up and to train and develop faster in our company? How do we be able to build that training within so that you can have some, some senior level people, but not everyone's senior level, because that's going to kill your profit margins. How do you be able to get the right um, senior level people that will then develop junior level people and having those programs within your company that are, are going to have them rise. And that's one of the things that we actually do with um, our operations Academy for um, mm. that we, so we actually help our clients be able to um, put in place an operations manager if they don't yet have one, mm-hmm. they, they may not have one already. And, um, but, and, and that's a really critical hire yeah. because that's the, being to be the person who can run the company for you. So what we, we have this operations Academy that we walk them through to be able to help them become a really excellent operations manager. So a lot of, um, of service-based companies think, okay, I need a COO. It's like, well, yes, maybe you do, but not until like three to 5 million. You really don't need one before that. Mm-hmm. So how do you be able to get in place an operations manager that's going to be like a mini COO that's yeah. going to be able to grow with your company? And oftentimes you don't even need to hire an operations manager. A lot of times it's an account manager, a project manager. We've even, we've seen many companies within our tribe successfully hire and develop up an executive assistant. We've even done it in our own company. Right. It's somebody internal. Yeah. Well, it's, it will. Um, so here's the thing is no matter who you hire, you're going to have to train and develop them. Yes. So you might as well get someone who's really hungry and that's going to see the opportunity for the growth and their ability mm-hmm. to jump five, 10 years ahead of their career. And they mm-hmm. will be just fiercely co- um, committed to your brand. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then that's how you have people that are just, that are willing to do anything to be able to support the business. Mm, such a powerful point. I mean, the the expense to a small business of not finding the right person is significant. They don't have the budgets to waste, right? They don't have the budgets to experiment with people. And, you know, it's the whole concept, like in the book, um, Good to Great, moving seats on the bus, right? right. Small businesses don't have the kind of time frame and budgets that allow them to do a lot of experimenting with that. They just don't. Um, So it sounds like that operations academy is really a very needed thing for many small businesses, especially in the consulting kind of agency space. Talk to us about what people often get wrong on the path to scaling, right? You talked about they usually have a a missing piece because, Mm -hmm. and we were talking even before we went live, there's so much conflicting advice about how to grow in this space. Right. So a lot of the advice that is in this space is is going to commoditize your company. Mm-hmm. So to be able to scale, you need to be able to. So so what is the single point of failure? Well, the CEO. It's like mm-hmm. it's it's. Um, so how do we be able to remove the CEO out of this? So they say, okay, what we're going to do? The CEO brings all the strategy. So let's just remove the strategy. So now you have a commodity. Now you're competing with the entire globe. Yeah. Because you know if if you're offering this productized service. Everybody loves these productized service things, or we're going to just put together this course, which brings in a whole lot of other challenges. Now you have a marketing and sales problem. Now you have a volume-based offer that you have to sell a hundred times the amount of to be able to make the same profit. A hundred times. Now, now when you think about this, you look at what are the selling... now the selling systems that are required to be able to 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 generate a volume type of um, 
revenue model of this is yeah. challenging. It takes years and years to develop these kind of funnels and it's not easy. And the, like, and the hear- numbers are significant. Like you have to drive significant numbers into the top of your funnel to make those sales. It's, it, it's, it's mind blowing the way that people, people work so hard to just take a shortcut that is actually way, way, way harder. Yes. And, um, so, so here's the thing is, is that you have all these extra systems that you have to do for, for, for marketing, for sales, for lead generation, and then for delivery too. I mean, to be able to service hundreds of customers that requires more systems than delivering, than, than serving 10 to 20 and, um, to 10 to 20 in a much higher price point with a higher profit margin. So we, we look at turning that on, on its head. So instead of decreasing the, the strategy, how do we be able to standardize the strategy? And it, this, what it comes down to is doing what a lot of people are not comfortable with doing. And that's focus. It's focusing and it's been getting really crystal clear on the one client we call sort of power ones, one client, the one painful problem that you're going to solve for them. And then the one outcome, one big, huge fat promise. Now, this big promise is what allows you to jack up your fees, charge double, triple, quadruple, 10x the fees. I mean, we see this over and over and over. Double is really on the the base level, low end. Now, how do you be able to go from like these one-off type of projects, which are not scalable, which require way too much of you, which requires even more of you than upsell into the next level? Everybody thinks, we'll just start with a smaller thing and upsell. It's just like, no, that's going to keep you more and more stuck. What you want to do is, is have a really big, bold growth program that then you can sell for a year long retainer. I'll give you an example of Laura. And she was, she was selling these, um, these really incredible turnaround projects for a financial turnaround projects mm. in the, um, kind of CFO type of space, but it mm. really on a very deep level of like your business is going to go under unless we do this work immediately. Mm. So she would be able to turn these thinking around. Yeah, totally. Yeah, saving a really sinking in, ship. Really incredible work. But the challenge was it was so demanding and she couldn't bring on more than a few clients doing it this way. Mm. So what we looked at is, you know, who is the one client and the one painful problem you can solve and then the outcome. And we just tweaked this a little bit. So instead of the sinking ship, we looked at people that had a little more profit that maybe just wanted mm. to make things a lot better. And who is this right market that she can deliver this, the outcome for? And then we found out it's manufacturing for her. Mm-hmm. And then what kind of outcomes we kept pushing and pushing to look at what is this outcome we can, we could, we could generate. And for her, it was a hundred thousand pounds of profit mm-hmm. and she's in the, in the UK. So adding an extra hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand pounds is, is extremely enticing for these companies. Mm-hmm. So how much money are you willing to throw at that to, for a guaranteed extra hundred thousand pounds every year of, um, of extra profit. So, um, she was able to triple her price point. She was able to, to also triple the length of engagement. So you can run the numbers on that as a numbers person, you're already figuring that out. And what this did for her is it gave her so much more cash flow. So for, for her to be able to afford to hire other people to support her with the Mm -hmm. service delivery on this. Yeah. And, um, so much peace of mind. So that's the foundational piece that you have to have in place, a scalable offer. And not just people think scalable offer as like that I can put systems around this. Yes. That's not just it though. It's about sustainable. That's going to generate enough profit for you to hire the people to do the work. And, and in a hyperinflation economy, 
we do not have the luxury of going down price in this market. We just no, can't do it. No. We have to go up price. So it's, well, a, it's a great opportunity too, because people are open to it now. Oh, absolutely. I can imagine it's what people want and they just don't know how to get there. The thing that comes to mind is one, you have to be really, really clear on your vetting process at the front end, like so clear on yes. who it is exactly that you will accept as a client versus, but I mean, and that to me sounds like a, a systems and a process problem, like clarifying how that's going to work versus the amount of churn and time that that business would normally spend trying to get the average client, right? How, how many of those conversations do you have to have to put somebody into a service that is not custom tailored, higher end, higher dollar service, right? Cost your business time and money to get those clients. And what, what I have seen over the years coming from most operations, people don't really get what the real problem is. They try to solve things with systems and with people, and they have a giant blind spot and mm. they don't realize that 80% of challenges that are in operations and service delivery and fulfillment and quality control and all of that are actually created in the sales process in the mm. selling and the marketing of the program mm. and of, of the services. So if all of this is not aligned, if you try to put in place all these systems and everything without dealing with the initial inputs, <laughs> garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking to the wrong people, spending time with the wrong people, not your client. It's going to be a much more challenging process. Well, here's the thing is that we, 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 um, our main thing is how do we be able to help our clients be able to expand the work that they can do in the world, be able to expand mm -hmm. this incredible service that they can do and um, bring this in the world in a way where they're not having to work more and more hours yeah. and how to be, be able to create multiple million dollar business assets that can run without them and that they can participate in, in any way that they want. But as we found out over the years, it doesn't work unless that they have a way that they can, um, they they're selling the right offer yes. at the right price point. So we have taken this guesswork out of this for our clients to be able to make it much, much easier to sell these. Cause a lot of our clients, they're not sales experts. They're not, mm. they haven't gone through all the sales training. So how do we be able to get someone like Laura be able to triple her price point and sell these year long type of engagements? Mm. Like what does it take to do that? And to, to simplify that down. And, and what it was is it, we, we created this, um, this, this client success map. If anyone wants to, I, I can talk about how, um, how I, I can, you can, you can learn more about that. And I, I have a whole training that we can have, you can have your people can have access to for free. Oh, if, that would um, be amazing. But um, it's, it's really about how do you be able to make selling really, really easy where mm -hmm. your um, prospects come to you. And it doesn't mean you're not working to like getting out, getting your message out there, but it's more about you're qualifying people who come to you. Yes. And you know, when you have an offer, like we're going to add a hundred thousand pounds of extra profit to your business every year within this certain amount of time guaranteed, like they're picking and choosing who they're working with. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And you have to be so, you're right that, you know, the time spent, which it sounds like you're an expert at doing, helping them get the offer just right, the offer structure just right, right? How do you package those services, especially when you're talking about removing a CEO from all the doing, you know, it's, it's like putting a puzzle together, right? Um, so for anybody listening, 
I'd love to be able to share that client success. What'd you call it? Client success map, the client success map, but where they can, they can learn about this. Mm -hmm. I do a, um, an executive briefing Mm -hmm. where, um, I walk through really like, what are the five exits to be able to get to an eight figure consulting company? Mm -hmm. Even if you don't want to get to eight figures, if you just want to get a couple to a couple million, that's fine as well. But, um, I have a, we, we do a whole, um, live presentation on how to actually do that. And it's engaging as a small group that I'm actually the one leading that. So, um, if they go to handsoffceo.com forward slash briefing, then they can sign up for that. Um, Excellent. And these are going to be for companies that are already have a successful position in the marketplace, right? They're generating income. They are, they are the folks you talked about at the beginning that are trying to figure out how to, how the CEO can remove themselves from all the doing and continue to create a successful client experience. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. So if you're listening, be sure to pop over to the show notes. We will share access to Mandy's briefing, to her client success map, um, and anything else she wants us to share um, at legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash podcast. Mandy, where do you show up online? Obviously, we're going to share links to your website. Where do you like for people if they want to connect with you? Do you connect online? LinkedIn is the best place to connect. I'm not really on a lot of other social channels, right? but LinkedIn, if you just type in Mandy Ellison, Mandy with an I, mm-hmm. you might just need to go to the show notes. It's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. We'll share your LinkedIn link as well there. Um, so be sure to pop over and check out Mandy's resources. Mandy, for those that are listening, what final takeaway would you like to leave them with today? My The, the final thing is to really expand your vision of what's possible. Don't let anyone tell you that, that whatever you want to do is not possible because if you can imagine it in your mind, you can do it. Look to, look to others to help you expand that vision. And, and that's one of the, the, why people work with, um, with me and you in our, in our programs is we, people like us, we help them expand and see what's possible for them. So keep on, um, keep on expanding what you see as possible and just don't give up. Don't give mm-hmm. up, but that doesn't mean to you need to work yourself into ground. Find better ways that you can really let go and keep on um, getting more work done and more productivity done through other people, not from you working more hours. Mm, I love that. And especially the piece about not letting go of the vision doesn't mean working harder, but staying committed to the vision and finding alternate paths. Yeah. Mandy, thank you so much for your time today. I'd love the chance to have this conversation on the podcast and I hope we get to connect again very soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Heather. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today on the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast. We hope that we've added a little fuel to your tank, some coffee to your cup, and pep in your step to keep you moving forward in your own great adventures. For key takeaways, links to any resources mentioned in today's show and more, see the show notes, which can be found at legalwebsitewarrior.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please give us some stars and a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so others will find us too. Keep up the great work you are doing in the world and we'll see you next week.